At our core, our essence as humans, we wonder about fairly simple questions with very complex and yet-to-be-proven answers. Where did we come from? Why are we here? Are we alone? And what does the future look like? These perplexities have been the root of thousands of years of research, debate, and even war. And while these philosophical quandaries perplex philosophers, theologians, and scientists alike, one could argue the most unknown would be the question of our future, determining what is yet to be, assuming all time isn't concurrent, but that's another episode. This week, we get some help from the guys from Stuff They Don't Want You to Know to answer the question, where will humanity be in 100 years? That's next on Hysteria 51. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? crazy. This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation, the podcast that is hopeful for the future of humanity. Poorly conceived and built robots, on the other hand, well, that we're not so sure. This is Hysteria 51. I feel like that might have been pointed in my direction. Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, we are your hosts and head futurists, Brent Hand and John Goforth. Now that I think about it, that was definitely pointed at me. You're an ass. <laughs> That's right, John. That third voice of fine folks at home are hearing is our resident idiot, who might be one of the few robots that actually we outlive. That's that's a fact. They do say longevity is proportional to intelligence. <laughs> he is the one, the only conspiracy bot. I know conspiracy bot in my lab to help write, edit, and produce a show. And he isn't really great at any of those things. But hey, we all make mistakes, right? That's funny. The same thing your parents said when you were born. I'm not dealing with you today. I'm just not going to do it. All right, Brent. Changing the subject. Today we are talking about humanity in 100 years, which raises, I think, the most obvious question. Will Hysteria 51 be around in 100 years? Uh, obviously. I'm thinking we'll be similar to the companies of the future that literally run everything. Kind of like Whalen Corp or, or Whalen yutani Corp, depending on which movie you're watching. Aliens or, or the Predator universe. Or the Wallace Corp in Blade Runner, or, which is actually in the same universe. Or, or the Tyrell Corp, depending right. on which one you're watching. Yeah. Or Taco Bell. Yeah, you which know. Which is you know, just all of those. powerhouse. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Uh, one of those. I imagine I'll be the iron-fisted ruler making the tough decisions. You'll still be around, though. Maybe a, a, a brain in a jar kind of thing, you know, but I'm going to still have you as a pet. I'll, I'll at least be crying, right? <laughs> I, either way, you, you kind of went dark there. That is my thing, John. Uh, I, I, I'd go more the other direction, Bill and Ted style. We live in a utopian future built upon the peace-bringing philosophies popularized by this very podcast. <laughs> Oh, and, and of course, I can control things with my mind. You're both wrong. The show will still exist, but it will be hosted by just me and will be renamed Kill All Meat Sacks 51. Why would you even keep the 51 at that point? Every good marketer knows you need continuity. Jeesh. <laughs> and on that note, I think it's time to move on and actually talk about the future of humanity in 100 years. And Brent, before we get started, we have special guests tonight. Hot. Special. These gentlemen were kind enough to chime in for an earlier episode we did on Disclosure, and now we have the extra special treat of having them on for an entire episode. Let's welcome in Ben Bolin and Matt Frederick 
from the worldwide sensation. I'd call it the most dominant podcast in in our little medium. That's right. Stuff they don't want you to know. Matt, Ben, we could not be happier to have you join us. Matt, I'm not all that impressed. <laughs> Guys, oh, wow. Well, I already see, Bot. Geez, starting wow. off on that foot, huh? I appreciate the transparency. Uh, <laughs> you know, if anything, he's honest. Yeah. And uh, we could always use more of that in these are modern days. That Guys, thank you so much for having us on the show. It's no secret that we are big fans. And for a peek behind the curtain, John, whenever you're in town, we actually hang out in real life. We do. We do. It <laughs> normally involves a little bit of bourbon. A bit. Yeah, a bit. <laughs> yeah, John brings bourbon. They go, okay, you can hang out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's allowed. Just chime in to say I'm also happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were tremendously excited and, and flattered uh, when when you guys first reached out to us and, and told us about the topic of today's episode because it's something that I think um, not just you and I, Matt, but everybody thinks about. And if right. not – you will be haunted, I believe, after listening after, to Man, yeah. and, and it's one of those things you can kind of go either way. You can you can look at these things, and we're going to learn this as we do it. You can have fun with this and see all the wonderful things are going to happen, or this can be like this doomsday prophecy, and we can just walk out of here and be like, oh, man. <laughs> I Jesus. need some more of that bourbon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, fellas, if the person listening, you know, just happened not to read the title of the episode, today we are talking about humanity in 100 years. That's what are right. things going to be like for us as a species a century from now? And and also, this is a crossover event. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is also doing an episode, which I think we'll release a little bit after this one, on humanity in a thousand years. So you get the, <laughs> you get the century view and you get the millennial view. Yeah, uh, I, that feels gross to say. If if you think a hundred years is going to get dark, just you wait. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not all doom and gloom. Uh, we're going to start it from a bright spot, and the bright spot is one of my personal favorites. A lot of people hate him. Oh, don't man. care. I know who you're going to say, and you're already going to get us hate mail every yeah, time it, you say it, his name. The, on the show. moment I say it on the show, we get 15 tweets. Yeah. <laughs> his name is Elon Musk, and uh, I'm a big fan. A lot of people hate him. Anyway. He said that even back to college, he thought that five things would help shape the future of of our species. And he still thinks these are like the key innovation needs for the future of humanity to be positive. Mm -hmm. Uh, The five things are the Internet. Uh, slash computing, I suppose. I don't think it's going to um, catch on. <laughs> it's a fad. <laughs> um, second, sustainable energy. So he means the production and consumption of energy. Three, space exploration as it relates to humanity not living on Earth. So becoming a multiplanetary species. Four, AI, which you know no one's talking about nowadays. And we did not mean the S- Steven Spielberg movie, <laughs> Haley Joel Osment vehicle. <laughs> oh. <No. laughs> Wait, oh, you did the wrong show prep, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my notes are garbage yeah. now. <laughs> uh, and last but not least, rewriting human genetics. Now, I know I've been tinkering with three or four of those, you know, at home. So See, I'm big crisper. All joking aside, I was telling John, someone just wrote into us on Hysteria Nation. They've implanted RF chips in themselves. One of our one of our fans uh, he uses it for like opening doors at home and stuff like that. I'm like, a hey, more power to you, man. Wow. But uh, so when no, sh- thank you. When he shows up at the Hilton, do you say, "Hey, can you just program my hand for my room <laughs> yeah. instead of the car?" Right. Well, <laughs> and he was talking about he was getting something put in. Um, there's another one they're working on where they're 
putting something in the tip of his finger. Oh, yeah. To sense a uh, magnetic field. Exactly. Yeah. And he says that they say. No, he says mm-hmm. they say. It was one of those mm-hmm. things. Over time, you will learn to like f- sense these fields and know your directions and things like that. I was like, hey, more. I mean, God love you uh, if you're listening right now, but I feel like what you're doing right now is <laughs> is akin to the pirate with the peg leg. <laughs> Turn me <laughs> east. There we go. <laughs> you know? versus, yeah. versus what we have in prosthetics today, but, but we're actually going to get into prosthetics. So those are the five. We're we're gonna we're gonna use a few of these to explore humanity from a hundred years from now. We're gonna approach this episode as if one of the existential risks to humanity that could end life as we know it didn't happen. Because okay. it's not much of an episode if we go, Oh, we're all dead. <laughs> <Got it>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, we can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So so guys, the first that, that Elon touched on uh was the internet and Obviously, it is very important. I mean, when, when we've gone from being a, a society that had to, you know, read books, uh, had, you know, only we go, you go back to the 1500s, you had four people in town that could read and you had, and most of the time it was your priest and you had to get your information from them. And depending on whether they agreed with the books or not, you have no idea what they said. Yeah. It's either the uh, Middle Ages now or not. We don't know. They might have, <laughs> they might have just changed that, right? Oh, the Phantom Time Yeah, theory. that's yeah. right. Well, not to mention the lack of translators across right. languages, right? So right. you would be in a pocket of knowledge essentially where you lived unless you were in, you know, a trading sphere of some sort. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But we're not in that now. I mean, we're in a time now where it seems like all the information out there is at our fingertips. Virtually the all the knowings of humanity is in your pocket right now. And that's a big step for us to take forward. But can we take a step f- further forward? And, you know, a big law that had helped point towards this is Moore's Law. Yes. Moore's Law being the idea uh, that – Computing power essentially doubles every. They said transistors doubled the every number two of tra- years. Every two years. Now that yeah. kind of has gone by the wayside because we've just shot past that, or we did, and it, and it, it changes, and then you plateau out for and a while. And then we plateaued, you know, right? And right. So and it's it's one way or another. But it's but. not like we have to double every two years to really, you know, make waves in the technological <laughs> world. <laughs> because it's not a thing anymore. It's also not a thing, I think, because the foremost experts in computing and computing technology, many of them are trying to really go tip of the spear and get into quantum computing. Well, and the problem is, and I think when you look into quantum computing, everyone loves that term. We all say quantum computing, but what's it really mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't really know, you know, because we don't, we have the quantum computers. We don't know how to program them properly, right. you know, yet. And when they do, they tend to start programming themselves, you know, or learning their <laughs> own languages. That shit's terrifying, <laughs> you know? For the yeah. record, Conspiracy Bot is not a quantum computer, no matter what he tells you. Yeah. Lies. Uh, if I could just describe uh, describe Conspiracy Bot real quick from the part that I can see here in the studio. I got to say a surprising amount of tubes. <laughs> I mean that as a compliment. Going into and coming out of. Yes. <laughs> not uh, just for the record, we don't have to get into why, but not all of those tubes were there when he was built. Oh, Some of those wow. were self-added. Does a lot of his own uh, prosthetic work, um, and I, but we're not sure why. We're not really sure what's going into that. So, fellas, yeah. uh, quantum computing. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on it? You know, some people still to this day say, although we do have functioning quantum computers, we're never going to be able to debug it, master. Yeah. Uh, at such an atomic level where this will be a viable computer for people. I'm not sure if I buy the argument that we will never be able to do it. I would postulate that it's going to take longer than perhaps we would like 
to, to be right. able to master that. And then it just goes back to the question of, can we survive long enough to right. Right. get there? Right. Um, the, uh, you've, we've talked about this before a little bit on our show, but just the idea of rather than a transistor where it's open close kind of system, mm-hmm. it's literally two atoms that are what you're really looking at at the base level, just two atoms that are right. connected that are mm-hmm. reacting essentially at the same time. And, um, that, that to me blows my mind still. Those two atoms that can then learn how to align themselves themselves. Yes. You know? Give the man a cigar. Yeah. Like, yeah, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around just the concept of it. Mm. Um, and I'm trying to imagine us in some future where every, like, I can't even visualize a quantum computer very well. Mm-hmm. Right. I have to go online and look up like, okay, somebody help me understand this. Right. You just touched on a point about the two atoms aligning. Yeah. Okay. So when they align, they need to vibrate in unison uh, to do their job properly. They call that coherence. Mm-hmm. But if someone, say, you know, sneezes two blocks away because you're talking about two atoms. Yeah, right. All of a sudden you've got a problem and it's called decoherence. It upsets that equilibrium. That's one of the biggest problems they're running into right now. It's, like, it's, it's just so testy, so easily, you know. Right. Uh, it's fragile, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. It's like a hard drive in the 80s. <laughs> you know, you yeah. look at it wrong and it's like. Uh, (laughs) when the heart yeah and the hard drive was the size of a backpack but it was down from the size of a room which was down from the size of a building yes exactly (laughs) i love i just saw a picture of them unloading a hard drive from a computer uh from a plane in like 1960 and they have the giant platters and everything on oh they do yeah Yeah, just you know it's but 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 with the quantum computers that decoherence is a problem just defrag the damn thing (laughs) Uh, that's what we do to him so it's a little different he he just (laughs) thinks that that applies to everything a yeah, hundred years from now those bugs will conceivably though be worked out and quantum computers will hopefully be meaningful what's that mean though it's anyone's guess because like you said it's hard to it's hard to think of we're going to use a quantum computer to play minesweeper yeah exactly yeah. or to you know get our coffee and do everything you know but when i say get our coffee we, our homes might be automated completely to where the not only is a quantum computer running our home it's doing our shopping for us it's doing everything for us it knows that i need to refill my prescriptions and i need to do this and i need to do that and it makes those decisions for me but isn't that okay so this goes into uh yes my wife user. yes it, it will <laughs> My wife. Uh, <laughs> subjectivity, uh, because psychology teaches us that there are quite a few people who will react adversely until it becomes normalized. They'll react adversely to a uh, software program anticipating their needs, even mm-hmm. if those needs are anticipated correctly. Because it feels wrong. Right, mm-hmm. right. Because know? if like we're hanging out, no one's said we're hungry. But we've been out partying all night and it's clearly pizza time and we're about 20 minutes away from someone saying, hey, guys, we should stop by a pizza place. If one of uh, these programs pipes in and says uh, we're sending Mm. three pepperoni pizzas over. Think of how weird it is when you travel or do something and then you get those directed messages, Mm -hmm. those advertisements on Facebook and then make it when you're thinking about you're hungry and all of a sudden the pizza shows up like people are going to freak their shit. You know what I mean? (laughs) Until it's until it's normalized. Exactly. And one thing about our species that's shocking inspiring and terrifying all at once is that uh, these things can very 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 quickly the strangest things become the most mundane things see smartphones right yeah right michio kaku likes to point to the actual phone as something that was a tool of the devil 
<laughs> as something that was going to ruin American society as we know it because people would spend all their time talking on the phone into the, a voice in the ether, as they would put it, rather than spending time with their family. Yeah. And now a phone call is so normalized, it's mundane. People don't even like to do them anymore. Oh, I don't want to answer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can't you text me? I mean, Real but, friends text. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> it's the only way I like to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same thing. In, you, we have those phones. That's the way that we interface with those things. And when we get into the future, mm-hmm. we don't even know what it's going to look like the way that we're going to interface. You know, we're going to have space-based internet and what peripherals well, they're, And they're working have. on that right now. There's like yeah. four different programs trying to introduce space. I mean, they've already done test projects over like New Zealand for space-based internet. Elon Musk is another guy that's involved right. in that. And I think Bezos has his own program going. It's going to be something that's it's going to become augmented reality. It's not just going to be the internet when we say the internet like we think of now. I think it's going to become really augmented. Not only is it augmented, we're going to be augmenting ourselves with tech as we're going to talk to in the future. And I think it's just going to be instead of going to your phone to have that argument with your wife and tell her no, so and so starting this movie, I can just go... Yeah, no, it was actually. It also, I think, most importantly, um, it also might not turn off. It might not ever completely turn off. Right. One thing that really freaked people out about Skype when it came out is that that thing's uh, originally is real hassle to actually turn it off. Right. That's a good point. So I I, I think also we're going to see in a hundred years we'll still be operating in many ways in, in a similar economic system, mm-hmm. which means that we will see the rise of things like ubiquitous augmented reality that is also free with ads. Right. <laughs> Think about that. You know, it's just ads integrated into your everyday life. It's like a it's like a bad episode of Black Mirror. It really is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you just have a messy breakup, God forbid, and then you get a gentle ping in your device you know, in in sci-fi, uh, I wrote a sci-fi story with a device like we're describing, and I called it a Marco because I was terribly uncreative at the time. But like Marco Polo, so you get <laughs> you get a little you get a little ping on your Marco, and it says, you know, we're uh, we're sending uh, some pizza, a six pack, and, and like um, uh, an inspiring self help book. Also, here are the local singles in your area within ten miles. <laughs> and you're like, dude, give me give me the weekend by right, myself, right? <laughs> right. And two, you know, speaking of that, how you access that? Yes. So, is it a chip implanted in your head where everything is just augmented reality, or is it more like using the phone analogy we did before? Landlines still exist. We just don't use them much. We tend to be on our cell phones. Mm -hmm. Is it like computer terminals still exist? And if you're the kind of cat that wants to sit down and type away at one, you go ahead. But us youngins are going to use the the augmented reality chip that's in our brain. Like I I have to – I still think that computer terminals will exist in one way, shape, or form, just Absolutely. because it's for a, the old people still holding on. Like, ah, I want to do it that way. It's, you know? it, well, yeah, it's for us because we'll still be alive. Right. Uh, it's the hardwire. It's like uh, there's always it's always safer to have a hardwired version mm-hmm. as well. That that feels like how it would go to me. You're, I I am 100 percent on board with you, John. Dumb. I would reference the typewriter. The beginning, like the rise of smartphones, never into typewriters. They're still being manufactured. And if we look at large scale applications. A ton of organizations still use typewriters because it's just cartoonishly expensive mm-hmm. to move to the new stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good point. So so we have uh, – what's the term? Legacy technology. Legacy right, technology, right. yeah. Well, and you, you, we're talking about all these these 
things that are connected. They say in the next five years, 50 billion devices will be connected to the internet alone. That number will be several magnitude larger in a century from now. And the internet also, of things. just think of our, our population. You know, we're going to be at 8 billion here in a couple of years. And you hope, I mean, Lord fingers no. crossed. Now, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Or, or four to six tribes. <laughs> One or the other. One or the other. Yeah. You know, but essentially, uh, There'll be sensors everywhere outputting tremendous amount of data that we can use to improve our lives. And think about how everything now is online and connected. And, well, and, and, and that's the thing. People take these things always to the negative. There'll be so many sensors that can track my every move. They know everything I'm buying. They know everything about me. Okay. Let's just say for a second that we can regulate that or that it becomes normalized. It also could be tremendously helpful to have that much information input from every corner of the earth and every walk of life to truly understand the way things function, mm -hmm. to truly understand how people interact with them. Like sociologically, it could be helpful. There, there are some positives here to having this much input of data. But think about the power required for all of this. That's true. If we don't get like sustainable energy, right? Then all of this doesn't matter. So they say in a hundred <laughs> years, true. and we, we talked about this on, we did an episode on the Kardashev scale. Now they say in a hundred years, we should be a level one civilization. So at a hundred years from today's date or by the year 2100 ish, we'll be able to control all the power output that our planet can have, whatever that means. Geothermal, solar, Coal, wind. nuclear, wind, everything, water, uh, hydroelectric, everything. For us to be able to sustain as a civilization, that's kind of – you have to be able to do that. Yeah. The problem is we're fighting that or a lot of people are because they are hooked on to fossil fuels and things like that. And, and Non-renewable energy non sources. Non-renewable energy and, resources, yeah. And we'll, we'll talk more about the energy sources cool. after our first break. But you were 100 percent right that we're going to need to power it because – there's a very good chance that within the next 100 years, we will also be online. And I don't mean with our phones. I mean our essence will be mm -hmm. online. We will upload ourselves. They, some people call, refer to it as brain net or the internet 3.0. Mm -hmm. Uploading consciousness sounds crazy. They're already doing it just with uh, a, a smaller – animals. But so, if you do that, if you take your conscience and upload it, is that really you or is that just a snapshot of you? Well, you don't have a conscience. So. No, but I, <laughs> that's why I'm asking you. Do you? Like, I, I posed it to the room. <laughs> so uh, it's it's the old ship of thesis problem, right? The the old story about a, uh, a ship that sails around the world and as it's sailing around the world, Pieces of it are slowly being replaced as yep. it's repaired. When it returns, is this is it the same ship? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really glad you guys bring this point up because this may sound like a thought experiment at this time, but um, you're you're right, John. It's already happening just with a smaller playground, right? Yeah. Uh, what what we're talking about eventually is the ability to not only map. Uh, the interaction of every neuron in a human brain, but to also map them to such fidelity mm -hmm. through, you know, think of it like a snapshot method of, of past snapshots of activity, uh, such that 
it will be able to make the decisions that you would have made in the same place. Right. And I think that, I mean, so we've done it with a worm already. We're about to do it with a cat. A worm has 302 neurons. A cat has, I don't know, uh, a, a, a couple billion. A human brain has 100 billion neurons. So let's just say that we nail that. We get that thing done in short order because really that's just a math problem, right? right. The bigger question to me is, when you upload your consciousness somewhere else, is it still you? This is more of a philosophical question. That gets question. into the soul the soul, aspect, yeah. right, right, right. Do do the do hundred billion neurons that make up Matt Frederick? Do are those your essence? Is that is that it? Or or we're is it to get just out, kind can of? Can we a, dissect you? Is what we're getting at. Oh, like, please, right I'm an organ donor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go right ahead. But what do you think? Do you think that that's still the person? Well. Um, we, we try very hard to be extremely respectful of all people's beliefs on our show. Um, when you're getting into anything that could be spiritual belief, like, oh, that. we don't fuck them. Well, well, <laughs> well, that's a joke. We do. Well, um, we, I personally think that what makes up this, uh, physical version of my body is pretty much it. What I also believe though, is that we don't fully understand how deeply connected our physical bits actually mm -hmm. are within this field, whatever the field is that we're moving through of energy. The energy matter. around us. Yes. Um, so I would say in conclusion, just go ahead and make me a, make a copy of me and let's see what happens. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I went to the, uh, I went to the, um, body exhibit when I was in, in Vegas last time and they have a, a brain and a spinal column just out. And it said, this is you. Was its name Cran? Every, yes, it was. <laughs> Every other thing that is part of you is to fuel this. Oh, yeah. Like every other thing is actually not necessary other than to make this goo here, which was the brain and the spinal column, right. function. Yeah. And that's that's a really crazy thing to see. And then you think about this, like how much of that is your essence? Like what is the real you? I mean, that's a question we're not – And I, I, do I don't think we're going to hammer around an hour here. And what would the digital you say when asked it, that question? It, so where is the where is the physical you? Is it a hard drive? Can you just make a copy Ooh. and then, the, oh, there's two of me and they're exactly the same. I well, love it. Make, I want to buy army of Benz. I'm just going to be transparent. <laughs> oh, I know John I always says he wants a clone just so he can see if he's a good kisser, but that's oh. a, that's a different version. I mean, that's classic John, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been told I am. But, <laughs> but I, how will you know? But how will I know? <laughs> it is really um, interesting to me that up here, really, it is just a cloud of gray goo. Yeah. And, it uh, is. And we'll get into but that I, reference a little later. I do think, Matt, that there's room for no matter what you believe for the other side of the argument. And what I mean by that is, so we've talked about on this before, you know, we, we respect all religions or non-religions. Brent and I both happen to be in the kind of Christianity camp. I completely believe that there's a possibility. I don't know, but that you were, that you upload all billion of your 10 billion, a hundred billion of your neurons and that your soul or whatever you call that goes with. Oh, wow. The, like, why not? Why not? If it's the essence of you, why can't the essence of you, let's just say that, the the pieces of the soul are hidden in the in the interaction between Does those your soul neurons. Split? What if you're still alive? I, you know, you upload all your information, but then you're still here. And then what if uh, you Soul Split was the name of the band I was in in college. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, That's cool. not true. Oh. Uh, Mine was Broken Poets. Uh oh. <laughs> is that true? Yes. That is true. <laughs> and then what if you can we interact with you after your physical Ooh. body dies, then you know the, I, Well, no, we saw the documentary Chappie. 
Yeah, uh, obviously yes. that yeah, is yeah. not possible. But you're you're on a, you're raising a fascinating point, and it's one that no one can answer yet. Uh, maybe we'll have the answer in a century. But what is the nature of consciousness? It's best defined as uh, an as far as we can tell with our measuring tools now, it's just an agglomeration of relationships between certain groups of neurons. Correct. Right. So if we're replicating that in uh, if we're replicating that in a facsimile, um, what what is the difference? I love the idea that the soul could be tied in there. It goes to something okay, goes to something crazy. I knew a mad scientist, one of my old professors, love the guy, Dr. Brecky. You're insane, um, and I hope I hope you're okay. Uh, he was working on a secret project. You've heard this story before, Matt. When, I love story. Uh, when I was in school, um, where he was attempting to build digital or in the cloud virtual networks that would replicate the activities of individuals in countries. So instead of a human brain, it's actually it's less complex to take all the data you have about, say, Monaco or Afghanistan mm -hmm. and try to make a cloud version of that. But he, he the experiment he was doing, he did it with such fidelity that they were able to change one variable in this fake thing or excuse me, this virtual thing. Mm -hmm. I know fake's controversial here. And then the way things would play out would be um, about 80% accurate as to how they would play out in the future if that happened in the so real like world. So like predicting geopolitical turmoil yeah, and, right. and economics. So, we, so, so could the, we do the that DOD, did the DOD of This was DARPA. Oh, it was DARPA. Oh, okay, I was yeah. going to say. Oh, wow, like, okay, yeah. Yikes. They run, uh, they, DARPA, I think it's DARPA, actually runs an annual, um, I don't know if it's an essay contest or what, some sort of contest that if you win, you become one of their uh, futurists. Oh, and, and and like if you're one of their futurists, you literally sit around and go, okay, if so-and-so gets his head chopped off in this country, what are the 15 ramifications globally? And it's like every 80s movie, that guy, he's an expert on it. Bring him in. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sitting in there in the back. Oh, I, need to, I need to speak And up. he always has yeah. long hair for right. some reason. Yeah. yeah. Let's go to break. We teased it earlier. We're going to talk about energy in the future and a whole lot more. That's next on Hysteria 51. <laughs> David and me, I'm a Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages was yeah. the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation, too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And, you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's it, they designed it for long-term retention, you know. It, and yeah. Uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm -hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And 
I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value. And you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused or really cool. <laughs> I'd go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use. And we have, both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long-term. And uh, it's something that uh, it works. You know, and we don't, yeah. we don't do long-term, um, stuff like this. And this is, this is the one that we've chosen and we love it. So all you guys got to do, don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times. And it's always now, right now, get now. started for Larry limited time. His Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50% visit Rosetta Stone. Dot com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off. RosettaStone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. energy sustainable that's the that's the key the key word there I more think. red bull is all it takes right it gives you wings and <laughs> we can fly off this planet when we wreck it and go elsewhere i've always wondered just in general why we talk so much about things on this earth are not going great you know we might need a new one at some point mm-hmm. we might need mars doesn't it seem imminently easier to fix whatever we've done to the atmosphere yeah. than it would to be to terraform and then install an atmosphere in Mars. Yes. Like that just strikes me as once our technology is caught up, that would be an easier thing to do. It's but... kind of like getting a new car every time you <laughs> right. change your oil. But the, <laughs> yes. I think yeah. the big factor that we get into this is as we need more energy and as we advance with, you know, healthcare and things like that. And, 
people live longer, we are going to run out of room and we're going to run out of food and we're going to run out of minerals and things that we do need. So I think that fossil fuels, get rid of them. We're still going to be running low on on space, not making more land. No, you're and right. So I think that's an important thing. And, and that's one of the things that Stephen Hawking always said. We need to be multiplanetary to exist for one way or another. Or, God forbid, we're not to a you know level one, level two, whatever, and an asteroid comes. Well, then maybe we're not exactly, exactly. wiped out. Like yeah, I was talking about fixing the atmosphere, but if the caldera at Yellowstone goes off, that part doesn't matter. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, if a meteor of any sufficient size strikes, none of that matters. Right. right. So, and did you – I only recently learned this. Did you know that pretty much the reason that hasn't happened yet is Jupiter? Yep, it sucks them up. It's it just that's sucks. fascinating. Yeah, and it's so such a big. They monster. don't even bother looking at other um, other star systems for life if they don't have a gas giants that are the size of Jupiter, because otherwise, life might have started, but eventually an asteroid came along and stopped it. Right, Jupiter is a one man scrimmage line. Yeah, yes, right? yes, yep. that's oh, wow. exactly right. So we got all our our, our sustainable or non sustainables that we're using now, like our fossil fuels. It, it, it's going to run out. We have They're going to run out and they're going to kill the planet. We have to get off of them. We have right. to get to renewable energy. And so the question is, what renewable energy? Well, I think a big one, the one, first one that comes up, you know, is solar. You know, we got a big battery in the sky, you know, so why not try to soak up as much of that as we can? But people don't love it. People want to drive their dino goo around. <laughs> they know? do. And, you know, they say that the, the problem with solar energy today is not – you know, we, we always talk about how can we collect more solar energy. That's actually not the challenge. The challenge is having big enough and efficient enough batteries to yeah. store efficiently store all of the energy we collect. Correct. And that's another thing that my good friend Elon Musk is working on. Yeah, yeah. material science. That's yeah. what it comes down to, right? Have you yes. seen the giant solar you know, farms in outside of Nevada, yes. outside of Vegas? I mean, yeah. it looks like water when you're coming up on them. Mm -hmm. It looks like a mirage. And you get out there and it's just miles of solar panels out in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 and, and as – so assuming that we that we do build and make better batteries, I think that's literally just someone putting their head to it. Musk has already improved batteries by three or four orders of magnitude just to improve them for the and cars. it's, it's yeah. not going to be in Vegas. It's not going to be out in the desert somewhere. It's right. going to be in space. They're going to move well, them up the out of the, outside of the atmosphere. And then how do you transport that energy through the batteries because I think one of the big um, problems that Musk ran ran up against was the same thing every electric car maker ran up against before him, which was the weight of the battery. Right, right, uh, right. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So um, speaking so, about Moore's law, it's like every other year they're making the, they're cutting those batteries in half weight wise. Now you know the, they have that's to the technology that's going. And so what they say, if if you're not familiar with with solar in space, dear listener, it's exactly what it sounds like. We throw up huge solar panels in geosynchronous orbit with us. And if you do it that way, they're far enough out that they don't uh, – because you, they're geosynchronous, they don't uh, hit shade much. Mm. And and that's why. Yeah, big, um, big pieces of graphene that just go up in space and it's like a like a solar sail almost or something like that. Right. Graphene. The giant mylar blanket. But and it's, and we know. have to we have to get better at building graphene. Right now, it's a – graphene is a is – a, it's been created. It is a real thing, but they can only produce stable – 
pieces of it that are about the size of a post. Because well, they need element one fifteen, so you know we uh, only have a few hundred pounds of it. Well, maybe you know, maybe Bob, Lazar told maybe us Bob that. is uh, is right. is working on that yeah, for him. Exactly. Oh, that's right. You guys talked to Bob, didn't you? Oh, we talked to Jeremy Corbell. Oh. Bob through Jeremy Corbell. Yes, yes, got yes. you. You guys Got had you. Jeremy on, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Jeremy. I'll say this. I love what he's doing to improve the documentary quality mm-hmm. in the world of the weird. Yes. Because, Completely. man, most of those documentaries are awful. <laughs> but but not his. I mean, he does solid work. He no, does. They're, he really very does. Enjoyable, very enjoyable. Like you said, the, the challenge is, you know, making these materials, the efficiency of energy transfer how are we going to get it uh, people talk about these space elevators and stuff mm-hmm. like that you know how are we going to get our energon cubes down here john you can't <laughs> just shoot you can't just drop batteries down right like, the way the corona satellites <laughs> hey, drop wa- film right look out hey, you know, make make some space <laughs> yeah. i well what they say is they're going to take the solar energy convert it to microwave radiation shoot it down at big collectors of microwave radiation and then turn that back into electrical energy Oh, cool! Like okay, a broadcast so energy <laughs> transmitter. That was a that was one of the things in in uh, GI Joe. Oh, was it? <laughs> I have to imagine that the amount of energy involved in that you would not want to step through one of those beams. No, and right. also how I mean because just you know that there would be some bleed and some loss. Right, it can't yeah. be a hundred percent efficient. Right, right. So, uh, right. Every once in a while, a cooked bird falls. Yes, <laughs> uh, you know. Like, oh man, <laughs> this technology, like even without graphene, yeah. this there is off the shelf technology that could do this right now. They say though that they are not yet in a position to produce more energy than they would have to expend to do it. Same with financially. They'd spend more money than they could recoup, which is what it always comes down to. Uh, So it's not worthwhile. But as kind of like with space exploration, as as things like reusable rockets happen and it gets cheaper to do, as new materials come out and other ways are thought about to do this, it's certainly thought that by 100 years from now, we will be heavily in the solar in space energy world. Right. Now, if we're not, the next thing that we're going to have to go to is nuclear fusion, ah. uh, which, you know, you know, everyone's going to have their little, little cold fusion box at home. You plug on in, kids. You know, and everyone's ready. <laughs> I've seen a movie you know. like that. Well, I, I saw, right. The Saint with Val Kilmer. Yeah, I, yes. I, I, I thought it was already a thing. <laughs> that, the documentary. I, I, the yeah. documentary. The thing is, to do that though, we're going to need a lot of rare earth elements. I just I saw that in 2048, the embargo on Antarctica, mm-hmm. uh, mining and everything runs out, and people are salivating at all of the resources that are there. Technically, it comes up for renewal, Brent. Yes. Well, but we renewal, all know, but right. everyone's going to go. Yeah, let's let's talk. Yeah, let's drill and and then just... they'll go find the aliens and the Nazis. And that's yeah. when that's when yeah, we that's unleash when some ungodly old disease that gonna, wipes us out. We're <laughs> going to have to broker a peace with a uh, you know a ninety percent robotic <laughs> cyborg of Adolf Hitler's yes. <laughs> clone because that guy <laughs> controls all the lithium now. That's right. <laughs> who who everyone knows. Is a good kisser because yeah. he's a clone. Out of he's he kissed a himself. Yeah. He's lying to himself. And Halliburton will own all the rights to it. No. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So another place that we could get those rare Earth elements are extraplanetary bodies. We know that comets, asteroids, small moons. Look at have, all these. They keep saying, let's go mine all these asteroids. Have, they have. Well, there are companies that have already formed to do this with mm-hmm. investors like the founders of Google. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I think Larry Page is in on one of them. They um, – they know that that stuff's there in large quantities, these rare earth elements that are very small quantities here. Now it's a question of sending 
sending robotic apparatus there to mine it and bring it back. We're not there yet, but we'll be there. I mean, that's not 100 years from now. That's 20 years from now. MIT's working on something. They said uh, 15 years. Uh, Wow. I was so uh, you overshot by five years. (laughs) (laughs) Something we're kind of hitting on here with all of these discussions of energy. It feels as though we need a DuPont or some other extremely uh, wealthy family with inheritance over centuries to just say, okay, you know what? Who cares about return on investment? The return on investment is going to be humanity surviving. Like someone just goes, I'm, I'm putting the bill. I'm writing the check. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's everything for all the research we'll ever need to do in the next, you know, couple of decades to get us to one of these places. The problem is when you have people that are willing to jump these hurdles or, or take chances, they're ridiculed, you know, Elon Musk, like we're talking about for better or for worse, he's willing to take a lot of gambles and people love to bash him. For better or for worse, you know, not everything, you know, he's trying to make high speed rails in Chicago underground and we don't need it, you know, no, it's only (laughs) going to be a billion dollars. Well, we don't need that. There's a lot of better ways to do it. But the other things that he's doing are important. And so you've got to take the good with the bad. This week, as we're recording this, they just did that unmanned, their crewable capsule just docked with the space station. That's huge. With uh, Ripley, the the dummy, right? That's right. Always send a dummy in space. (laughs) (laughs) don't tell buzz (laughs) (laughs) but speaking of space that's the big thing like if we're going to survive we we keep touching this we need to become a multi-planetary species space exploration as it relates to humanity not living on earth and the big thing the one that everyone goes to is mars i think that's where everyone mind go i disagree you do i don't think mars is where to go are you a europa Oh, Europa's pretty good. Or maybe an Io, maybe another Jupiter moon. I mean, there's some really interesting stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the reason people go to Mars in their head is it's, it's so close. Yeah. You know, and it is close enough to the Goldilocks zone or in there that we could probably terraform and create an atmosphere in a, in a, a t- you know, as they say, just nuke the shit out of the poles and we can get one in like 50 <laughs> years, right. you know? Well, and, and the, envi- <laughs> the environment isn't so, so horrible. Chicago was colder than Mars. Uh, yeah, yeah, it won't, yeah <laughs> wow. like you're not going to get boiled there. Uh, you know, you wear, wear the right insulation, and it, you know it's cold, but it's not that cold. Um, also, uh, Mars. You know, we know that there is water on Mars. Mm-hmm. We know Ooh. that for a fact, and that's one of the necessary things for life to survive. Other than nuking the ice caps, another thought is we were talking about solar energy earlier, and, and based in space. Well, once we have that technology, you just go put those up there, but you change the technology a little bit instead of you're all you're forcing all of that energy and focusing all that energy on the ice caps, forcing them to melt and start yeah, just to a big blanket, that. you know, and you you start this uh, whole greenhouse effect, and it just they also runs say wild. that you'd have to inject a bunch of methane into makes, okay yeah. into the uh, into the atmosphere, which they can actually get from, and I'm going to forget which there's a moon cattle. Uh, yes, exactly. yes, cattle. They're just a lot of cows. Space cattle. Uh, <laughs> there, there's a moon around there that's primarily – the atmosphere is primarily uh, made of methane. Ooh. So you could conceivably just go grab it. Methania. Methania. Yeah, methania. Uh, that's one of my favorites. It was on the tip of your tongue, wasn't it? It was. It was. Uh, no, but okay. So let's say we, we're going to get there and we're going to get there sooner than later. We're going to be there. We're going to have humans there. Uh, but yeah. the, beyond that, beyond – Beyond being there, are do you think that we will be able to actually colonize it 
uh, colonialize it, make a colony <laughs> that, that, that is like self-sustaining. It's a tough one. It's, it's a really tough one, right? Because we have a lot of biological unknowns. Uh, and the things that we do know can be divided into two categories. They can be divided into things that we could call treatable conditions. Can't breathe the air. We can figure that out. Uh, but then there would be things that we would, and I hate this phrase, I'm loath to use it, but the unknown unknowns, mm. the problems right. we won't know we have. All it, right, Rumsfeld. All uh, right, all right. But, <laughs> but let's, but like, let's say, let's say that, um, Martian sand snakes, everyone hates them. I know, right? <laughs> They're ruining the neighborhood. <laughs> Property values go kaput. But let's, let's say that we have, we have a, an active, a colony of people who are living on Mars. They did not get a return ticket. They are there to, uh, you know, fall in love, do science, eventually reproduce. We have no idea what that kid's life would be like from, you know, uh, from developing in the womb to right. puberty. You know, we know that they'll probably be taller. If right. they make it, mm -hmm. uh, we don't know how they're What's going to do to your, your organs, your yeah, everything. Exactly. Yeah. So you will be in a generation mm -hmm. Martians, you right. know, right. when they, when they go there, yeah. it will, it, it, it will quite possibly be the fast, uh, the fastest evolutionary event in our species history. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's if everything goes right. So I think the <laughs> only way we could, we, the only way we could think of a sustainable colony on Mars would have to, would have to be assuming that we, our species is going to proactively tinker with those colonists on some fundamental levels. I mean, there, right. there have been people who've said also, why don't we just get the technology to, um, Instead of shipping people, which are tremendously fragile, right? Instead of shipping people to Mars, let's do that just a couple of times and then let's just start shipping, you know, monkeys. eggs and sperm. Oh. And, yeah, and monkeys. And, right. and monkeys. <laughs> I just thought you have a whole colony of monkeys sitting around <laughs> and hammering hammers. They don't know what they're doing, but it's cute. <laughs> and if we get enough of them, eventually they'll accidentally build something. We yes. made something. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's one of those things where uh, the other thing that we're going to if we're going to colonize Mars, we got to get there. And then if we're going to get to Mars, you know, why were we going to stop on Mars? We're talking about all these other mm -hmm, places. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to go out to the asteroid belt because you talk about rare earth elements. Well, think about what's out there and then beyond. And that brings into different kind of propulsion systems that we're going to be using in the future. And what kind of energy sources might we use then? Right. I mean, I, I think that the idea of of propulsion systems that bends space time is probably not for the next hundred years. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. that's probably for the show that we do with you guys for the next thousand years. Um, <laughs> do but you think FTL is really something uh, faster than light travel can actually occur? I don't know if, if it needs to be faster than light, if you can get around that. If you can bend space time. You know, yeah. right. you, can, you know, there are ways. Create a warp bubble, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. Um, in the interim, it, it's more about, it's more, how can we just get more efficient and better at space travel with the technologies we have? They talk a lot about ion, um, um, ion, ion engines, propulsion, ion drives, yeah. And, you know, um, the, we'll, and then, we'll be in our sleep chambers while uh, we're we're sailing through the cosmos. And and you don't, I mean, maybe you get to, I mean, you couldn't even get to a third of light speed with that. So you, no matter what speed you go, it's still going to take a long time to get places. So we need to figure out cryogenic sleep. Yeah, like Alpha Centauri is four point three seven light years away. That's our closest neighboring star system. So that's going to take forever. To get there. And you know you what know? they say, bef obviously before we go, we need to kind of figure out what's going on there. 
And uh, yeah, you think? And good, luck with, good luck with that. Well, let's oh, probe it. Well, we need to send probes, right? And uh, one one really cool idea. Uh, it's called the von Neumann probe because there was a guy named von Neumann that came up with the idea. Neumann. The the, the <laughs> general idea is you build a device out of materials that are readily available uh, and easily accessible out in space. So, like, let's say you're in the Oort cloud. Mm-hmm. You know, you you land on a comet and you've got these materials, and one robot lands there, replicates robot probe, replicates itself into two. Then those two do it again in orders of magnitude. Later, you've got thousands of probes on their way to Alpha Centauri, and that's how they think that they could actually get the. And yeah. some of the robots stay behind as way stations to get the information. Back. And here's what's really cool: like John said, it's going to take. You know, we're not going to get to a third of the speed of light, but these probes. When you think of probe, I think you think of like these things from Star Wars or Star Trek. Mm-hmm. They could be the size of a few atoms, and it's a lot easier to shoot that through space, something small because it's nanotechnology in a hundred years, you know, that's not going to be anything. It's a lot easier. We can, we can shoot a couple atoms up to almost the speed of light here on earth with our, you know, our atom smashers. You know what it sounds like to me? Uh, A virus. It sounds like (laughs) a virus spreading throughout the cosmos. That's exactly what it's like. That is humanity. (laughs) Humanity Humanity just as a virus spreading throughout the entire yeah, universe. Yeah, let's it's do fun. it. We really want to do that, guys? It's, <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Yeah. Also, we could map, again, bringing back to the earlier yeah. point, we could map a brain, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and attach that to the probe well, as a management system. That's the boom. thing. It's AI. If we're going to yeah. be 100 years old to do it, we're going to have to have AI, artificial intelligence to be mm. running the whole thing. I mean, it's got to be able to think on its feet. It's got to be able to do those things. And hopefully in 100 years, we're going to be close, hopefully I think, I safely think close mm-hmm. to that. For the episode we do with you, you're talking about the connectome, taking the connectome and putting in a laser and shooting it wherever we want it to go. Maybe not in 100 years, but certainly in 1,000. If we if we collectively manage to keep it together, <laughs> which I am trying so hard not to be a downer, this is actually oh, this is an incredibly inspiring conversation because what what you're introducing me to here, and and a lot of our listeners probably already know this, listening now, um, is stuff that is very close to inevitable mm-hmm. on some level, right? Right. Assuming there's not, you know. <clears throat> an existential event. Let's run the break real quick. When we come back, what are our bodies going to be like? What are we going to be able to do? What's the changes? Are we going to be crispy? You don't um, understand what that means. I'll be svelte. <laughs> I'll at least be svelte. <laughs> yes, I'll be ripped. <laughs> when we come back with more Hysteria 51. You guys already are. John, how could you improve me in the next energy? I know that the answer is very slim to none. Well, hold on. Let me chance. pull out my laptop because I've got a running file going. <laughs> he sketches me in his free time. <laughs> like one of my French girls. That's exactly. Uh, well, you know, if we're going to improve humanity, we're going to have to do it with genetics. We, we're kind of skipping AI here uh, because we, we actually did an episode of AI not that long ago. Mm-hmm. We're going to assume it doesn't kill us all. Um, so, you know, it, it's AI. But rewriting human genetics is going to be necessary for so many different reasons. And I think the first reason goes back to what you were saying before, Ben. If we're going to make it to some of these places, we're going to need to uh, physically alter the way our bodies work, like just handling radiation in space. Yep. Yeah. As simple as that. Uh, 
not lose bone density when you're in space too long or make our bones denser to where that loss is not as big of a Look deal. At that, that one uh, astronaut who's a twin and now his DNA is separate from his brothers yeah. just because he spent so much time in space. And the thing that that really calls into is stuff we're already working we people are already working with is CRISPR, which is blows my mind that you can just go, you know what? I watched a YouTube video and I got a syringe. I'm gonna try to alter my DNA. <laughs> I saw you that know guy. people yeah. are doing this stuff, but hopefully not in a hundred years from now, we will be able to people always worry about like designer babies, but you can make sure that your baby won't have any of the birth defects. I saw Gattaca. Like but they also might yeah. be able to say, well, I want blue eyes. Okay, mm-hmm. so we can do that. Then that gets into the whole thing of if you mess with it too much, then everyone is almost very similar and you got similar genes and then you're susceptible to viruses. The and banana like problem. That. Right. Exactly. Every banana is a clone. Mm-hmm. Every banana is exactly the same. And then if you get a strain that hurts it, guess what? There's no more bananas. Yeah. So, guys, let's go around the room. Ben, we'll start with you on human genetics specifically as it relates to CRISPR because that's the most advanced technology that we have right now. What are some of your thoughts on the use of it, good, bad, how it could improve or how it could destroy? Our society as it stands currently in 2019 is not prepared to make the best use of this level of power over genetic code. We also don't understand uh, – I, I would urge caution because we don't understand how the interrelated system of DNA works when you – when you fiddle with one part. So to your example, Brent, blue eyes mm-hmm. uh, may lead to someone having some other wild thing. Right. We had no idea. Right. They have a tail now. Yep. And we're like, oh, well, that, okay, <laughs> that happens. Good note, everybody. Everyone's got that cousin. Right. What <laughs> was the uh, what was the yeah. game that everyone played for about five minutes online where everyone had their own avatar and uh, they built their own movie houses and it was just a big waste Sims? of- yeah. no, no, no. Like uh, it was just a big waste of time, but it was, it was all online. Mm. Uh, for a while there, people were selling their avatar for a hundred grand. It oh, was wow. uh, EverQuest well, or Ever. Um, yes, EverQuest. Not it was not EverQuest. It was it was just like people like there was no objective to the game. People it just got online. Nah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is yeah. in this game, in this online game, Nation, write in, let us know what it was. But, you know, it's a humanoid, but it looks like a chicken, mm-hmm. and it's oh. like, well, that's my avatar. You know, I see. Yeah, mm. that's that's is that Second Life. Yes. Second Thank life. you. We got there. Thank uh, you. Still send your emails in. Yeah. Yeah. It's always great to hear from you. Stop so, listening right then. <laughs> Back it up. So without uh, without like over overbearing my point here, um, it's also inevitable. That's the problem. This this sort of stuff is like Pandora's jar. You know what I mean? There's never there has never been a situation in the entirety of civilization so far as we know again right in uh <laughs> wherein someone discovered a technology of this magnitude and the entire species agreed to not mess with it right it's they, going we to happen. already are messing with right, the, right. the chinese uh guy who who edited that baby and mm-hmm. is now missing i believe you yes, know and presumed healthy and then fine somewhere <laughs> i think is is yeah exactly presumed healthy. somewhere yeah. with shelly miscavige right yeah, yeah. Yes. Matt. Yeah. Um, well, I'm of two minds here. The the first, because one of yours has been uploaded. <laughs> yes. The first nice. one is oh, that man. I I don't. <laughs> oh, that's my, sorry, mine, that clone. I I got excited. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it's hard for me to imagine that we would keep our uh, flesh and bone bodies 
for very much longer mm. as a species. I think we're going to upgrade ourselves to something a little more sturdy, something a little more able to travel the stars because we're going to have to in a way and move our consciousnesses as we can into some kind of robotics, whatever that is, something made out of a harder substance. So like the idea of CRISPR changing the the bacon bodies um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't see, I don't see it being viable for very long. So it's like, you, it's almost like um, a VHS, like CRISPR and editing. This version of humans is a VHS that's going to be right. around for just I a tiny that. bit of time until we can. So do you think that thing. like 50 years from now, 30 years from now, people are severing their own arms so they can get better arms? Well, I mean, certainly, certainly if an accident occurs or, you know, I mean, something on terrible happened. On yeah. purpose. On purpose, I think feasibly, yes. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. especially if you're looking at sports or yeah. some kind right. of something that will, that'll give you an edge and it's allowed in whatever commission or by whatever commission. Sensory yeah, I, I agree with that completely. And I, I think that as time goes by with what he's talking about, you know, and like nanotechnology and commuting and, and we, we, uh, we map our, our neurons and, and, we're able to use these limbs the same way. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to be the best that you can be? And I can live in space longer. I can do, you know, more. And it could be argued that we're doing the early part of that now. What's a pacemaker? Right. Other right. than a physical and, augmentation. And you don't look at someone with a pacemaker make... and go, oh, my God. <laughs> Superman. But you, if you look at someone and they had like a robotic arm and maybe in 50 years, 100 years, it's not going to be. You're just not going to think twice about it. Well, this guy was missing legs, not by his own, not of his own volition, but it went back to that. What was it in the Olympics? The guy had the two blade legs. Yeah, Blade yeah, Runner. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Oscar Pretorius. Yeah, yeah. Pretorius uh, uh, went uh, on to murder his wife. Yeah, shoot, shoot through the door. I <laughs> thought she was coming to get me. Oh but, yeah, yeah. But oh, people, God, that story. people also claim that it sparked this debate, which is, I think, what we're what we're talking about now, uh, which is at some point prosthetics will be did he have an unfair better. advantage right. and that's so funny to say this guy who had no legs had an unfair advantage over people with legs because he was the blade runner and i i, I agree i think that we will be well fellas we could talk about this for hours more but i think we are running out of time nation it's the thoughts of these fine gentlemen from stuff they don't want you to know. <laughs> fine gentlemen. It is not the <laughs> thoughts of Conspiracy Bot. They can't handle that level of awesome. But we want to know what you think. How can they tell us what they think? They Brent? can log into Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. That is our Facebook group where we talk about the, all the episodes. You can also go to Facebook.com slash Hysteria51pod. You can find this episode there and all of our past episodes. If you want to hop on things, hop on Twitter at Hysteria51pod. Patreon. John, tell them about Patreon in your favorite level. I, if you go to Patreon, you can get all kinds of crazy stuff for as little as a dollar. Anything from we will send you stickers, extra episodes of Up All Night, which is where we just sit and ramble. Brent releases his favorite. You're, uh, you're bearing the lead there. What's I, your favorite I, level, John? No, I'm 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 just getting through the things that you can pay for. Yeah. $30 you can pay to sniff John go for it. You cannot do that. That is not yeah, a real thing. A real Just thing. because you write it on the internet does not make it true, no matter what your research suggests, Brent. <laughs> I beg to differ, and people are willing <laughs> to put their money where their nose is. <laughs> well, this isn't the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> also, don't forget, you can leave us a voicemail, 773-669-7277. Again, that's 773-669-7277. And... 
this week we're not going to play any because we've got these fine gentlemen to entertain us. Guys, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate the time. Glad if you got you to don't enjoy listen, me. If you're one of the five Staring people- Staring in my eyes. Okay. If, <laughs> if you're one of the five people that don't listen to Stuff They Don't Want You To Know, find it on all the major podcatchers. Guys, any other things you'd like to plug right now? I know, I mean, Matt, you're- you're hosting Monster Season 2. What, what else do you want to talk about? Anything? Don't worry about that. Uh, listen to more Hysteria 51 <laughs> and uh, check out stuff they don't want you to know if you haven't yet. Agreed. Cool. Agreed. Uh, we also had gentlemen. John on a previous episode of Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. So uh, you can see him class up our show in uh, that episode <laughs> as well as our upcoming episode on the future of humanity in 1,000 years with several asterisks. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And don't forget that you're going to find us on their episode of Humanity in a Thousand Years, which is releasing in two days. In two days! Yeah, so it's a two Well, two days, if, if assuming you listened the day this dropped. If you listened, like, more than two days after this dropped, it's already released! You are you are in luck. You're in for a treat. Uh, so with that said, I've been Brent. I'm Matt. They call me Ben. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite, join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.